Pastor Ed Taylor has this to say about the tolerance of sin in our lives. It's always a good time to pause and just remind you guys, a little sin in your life, just a little bit, begins to permeate it all. You can't put it in a little box. You can't control it. You can't tame sin. You can't temper the effects. I know in our culture we've been taught, hey, I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anyone. The only problem is when you're so selfish, you don't see the hurt that you bring to others. So that's just a lame way of looking at life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Have you ever had to confront someone who is clearly in the wrong? Few of us actually look forward to doing that, and many shy away from it. But it's important to tell a person what they need to hear, especially when they're living in sin, even if it puts the relationship at risk. Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor urges us to have a concern for holiness and a willingness to help others caught up in sin, just as the Apostle Paul does in 1 Corinthians 5. Yes, taking a stand for purity will be uncomfortable, but we need to realize it's good for everyone. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and watch what he says, and we'll kind of look at it. He says in verse 3 now, For indeed is absent in the body, but present in spirit. I've already judged as though I was present concerning him who has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered, so here's the authority, in the name of the Lord, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's a heavy thought. Deliver him to Satan? What does that mean? Paul is writing from the perspective of caring for the church, the body. You've got one problem. He's dealing with that problem. But his motivation is to bring purity among the church. So you could see this and say, wow, how crazy. How can you do that? How can you do that? It all depends on what you're looking at and who you're looking at. Are you looking at that guy? He's messed up. I mean, you would think he, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't change his ways, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Or if you're thinking of the church, hey, there's leaven. There's sin in the camp. Paul says, deliver him. This is for the sake of the purity of the church. In verse 5, the word deliver literally comes to us from the legal system. It means to pronounce a legal sentence. This is the sentence. He can't be pretending to be a believer and living in sin like that. He can't enjoy the fellowship of believers. He, he, he can. He's, he's going to corrupt people. It's going to get worse. There's, there's going to be worse things happening. So what you guys need to do is deliver him. And I know it doesn't sound very loving or graceful and Really, it does. It depends on who, what motives you have and who you're thinking of first. If we're thinking of the holiness and purity of Jesus first, then the sin within the church approved by the leadership is a slap in his face. If we think of the purity of the body, then this sin is a foothold for the enemy to create more damage and more confusion in the church. If we think of the man first, 
then we have to ask ourselves, what is it going to take for him to come to his senses? Certainly not pretending it's no big deal is going to help. Pretending that, you know, we're just going to become tolerant of that and change our theology to adapt to your behavior. And so delivering over to Satan. The phrase is, is a idiom. It's a figure of speech. He's, it's not literally, he's not, Satan's not going to show up and take him out of the church. He's saying to remove him from fellowship. On more than one occasion in the Bible, it speaks of this world being ruled by Satan. He's the god of this age. He's the prince of the power of darkness. And outside of the fellowship, outside of the, the benefits of being in fellowship, he's going to be out and he's going to have to deal with his flesh. He wants, I love this, he clarifies, I want his spirit to be saved. I, I, I desire that his spirit may be saved. I want him to walk with the ways of the Lord, but his flesh has got to go. And this is a drastic decision, but it's one where once that person's outside of the fellowship, they're not in a home fellowship, they're not able to hang out with believers, they're probably not even wanting to talk about the things of the Lord, they can think about the decisions that they've made. This is cut and dry. Let's let's separate from from the sexual sin for a moment and just think about, instead, let's substitute a bank robber. There is a bank robber among you, Calvary, and instead of mourning over that, you're tolerant of it. You're known as the church of the bank robbers. And you know it, and you know it, and the bank robbers actually kind of recruit. You want to go with me? I got a mask for you, and it's really cool, and it's nice. I got all this money, and, and we're just like, man, that's great. You rob banks. He comes to home fellowship, and he's giving money out. You know, where'd you get that? Well, I just don't tell anybody, but first bank... <laughs> I made a withdrawal. <laughs> and there's no fellowship. There's, you know, the word fellowship means to share in common. It's going to be really hard to fellowship with a known bank robber. What you want him to do is stop robbing banks. He's going to have a prison ministry pretty soon. You know, he needs to be ready to share the gospel. We, we just wouldn't put up with that. You just, that, what are you doing? It's not good. It's, it's not good for you. It's not good. You're carrying a gun and people are afraid. That you're giving somebody a heart. I mean, it, it, you, would know, you just wouldn't put up with it. Why then is the church so willing to put up with sexual sin then? Why don't we see it? The same? It's not good for them. It's not good for the people. It's not good for someone that, what's what this guy's example, he's done with that with his father's wife and he goes after one of the single gals. Does damage to her and done with that single guy, go over there. And he's just a smooth talker, manipulator. There's no fellowship. We can't fellowship light and darkness. We can't have that among us. And so Paul says, deliver him for the destruction of his flesh. He says in verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep that feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Leaven is a picture, is a type of sin, sinful behavior, compromise. It's used a lot of different times, but it's a great picture because leaven or yeast is, when it's hidden... It works silently and secretly. You don't really see it happen as it's in the dough. 
It spreads quickly. It starts to putrefy the bread. And that's just what sin does. It works behind the scenes. It works undercover. And it's not really seen openly all the time. But inside, it's putrefying you. And it's taking me down. And, and it's just not good. And he says, "Don't your glorying isn't good. Now he's getting stronger. In chapter 4, he was sharing his heart a little bit, reasoning with them. And then chapter 5, he just, your glory is not. This isn't good. He's rebuking them. It's always a good time to pause and just remind you guys. A little sin in your life, just a little bit, begins to permeate it all. You can't put it in a little box. You can't control it. You can't tame sin. You can't temper the effects. I know in our culture we've been taught, hey, I can do whatever I want as long as I don't hurt anyone. The only problem is when you're so selfish, you don't see the hurt that you bring to everyone. So that's just a lame way of looking at life. It's just what we've been taught. I mean, even in a limited relationships, sins hurts people. It hurts our society. It puts people at risk. Sexual sin opens up all sorts of ugliness for disease and, and unwanted, undesired pregnancies. It causes the abortion rate to go up because one sin's trying to be covered with another sin and it brings shame and guilt to a person, on and on. And it's even worse that when the church or believers, because you and I are the church, know about it and we don't do anything and don't say anything, then we're just making it worse. You have something going on in your life, you would want someone to tell you the truth, wouldn't you? I mean, just when you get right down to it, I mean, not, not, that, not that you want everybody like coming up and getting in your face about every mistake you make, I don't mean that, but I mean in a crisis and you're going looking for counsel, I mean, let's just, you're coming to talk with me in my office. Don't you want me to tell you the truth? I hope so, because you're not going to get anything else. You're going to ask somebody, hey, would you pray for me? And, and as they're praying for you, God gives them a word of discernment, a word of wisdom that there's more going on in your life. Wouldn't you want to share with them? Because so, God's already got you. He's hooked you up with someone that has discernment that's there to help serve you. We want the truth. And that's what Paul's shooting for here in the church. We want the truth. We don't want game playing. We don't want a little leaven because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's the truth. If you allow a little bit of sin in your life, a little bit of compromise, it will grow. Right now, it is growing. Even though you're sitting under Bible study, you're worshiping, you're singing, leaven is still doing its work, putrefying. You have to let it go. You have to repent and turn from it. You have to let God change your heart toward it. Move toward the Lord and not away from him. Because that's the truth. You can mark it. It's little leaven will leaven the whole lump, period. And he says, don't you know that? I love how the Bible uses everyday pictures. Like if you were baking bread, those of you that are bakers, I don't, you don't need to be asked this question. You know that. That's why you use leaven. That's why you go down and buy the packets of yeast. That's why it's in the recipe. I don't need to ask you, hey, when you're baking bread, you know how it gets big and all little holes? You know, don't you know leaven does that? Dude, of course I do. Like, I'm the baker. You eat my bread, I make it. It's the same way in spiritual things. He says, don't you know? Haven't you seen it enough in other people's lives? Haven't you seen it enough where just a little, little, little thing ended up utterly destroying? And if you haven't seen it yet, Just one of those things you're going to have to take my word for it, but even more so, just take the word of God. That's what it says. Little leaven leavens the whole lump. And the longer you're around other believers, it's sad, but the more you'll see this to be true.
You don't have to experience it yourself. You'll see it to be true. That's why when the children of Israel, when they were coming into the promised land, they experienced great victory in Jericho and experienced great defeat in Ai. And Joshua comes back into the camp and he throws himself down and he begins to seek the Lord. What's going on? What's going on? That's why God answered him. You know what? There's sin in the camp. Go take care of it. And that's the New Testament equivalent here. Paul's saying there's sin in the camp. Take care of it. Keep that feast, and this is a spiritual, keep that feast, not with malice and wickedness. So now he's labeling, he's saying, this sexual sin, it's rampant wickedness, and it's malice. It's, It's hatred toward the body. He says, instead, replace that with sincerity and in truth. I love what William Barclay in his commentary says as it relates to leaven. He says this, therefore, the last remnant of evil must be cleared out of your lives. If you let an evil influence into the church, it can corrupt the whole society as leaven permeates the whole lump of dough. Here again, we have a great practical truth. Discipline has sometimes need to be exercised for the sake of the church. To shut our eyes to offenses is not always a kind thing to do. It may be damaging. A poison must be eliminated before it spreads. A weed must be plucked out before it pollutes the whole ground. Here we have a whole principle of discipline. Discipline should never be exercised for the satisfaction of the person who exercises it, but always for the mending of the person who has sinned and for the sake of the church. Discipline must never be vengeful. It must be always curative. And those of you that parents, you completely understand that. Discipline is always to to bring a change of behavior to associate sinful behavior with pain so that sinful behavior will be avoided in the future when that decision comes up again. It's always to be curative. He says in verse 9, this isn't the first time he's mentioned this, which makes it even more because they ignored him. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Now, that brings a, a little question there because if you read in your Bible, we opened up to the book of what? 1 Corinthians. But Paul says he wrote them another letter, so technically it's probably 2 Corinthians. But 1 Corinthians reflects the only letter, at least the first letter, that was inspired. Paul wrote a lot of things that weren't inspired of the Lord. He wrote a lot of things down that weren't from the Lord. Just a godly guy that was writing things and he was communicating with the church in Corinth. And it wasn't inspired by God, even though he was giving them good sound doctrine. And we know that because now under the inspiration of the Spirit, it's reserved for us. Hey, in that letter I wrote to you before, the one that that you guys read, I told you guys, don't hang out with sexually immoral people. Yet... I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covenants or extortioners or idolaters since you would need to go out of the world. Now, Christian life was never intended to be lived separate from people. You have a lot of friends and family that are unsaved. And one of the biggest mistakes that believers make is they abandon all their friends and family when they need you. Now, you need to walk with them in wisdom and walk with them carefully Don't go party with them anymore and don't get drunk with them anymore. There's some decisions you'll need to make, but you're in their lives. I guarantee you they'll probably listen to you a hundred times more than they would ever listen to me. You don't want to abandon them. And that's what he says. I told you guys, be careful of sexual immoral people and extortioners, all these. But I didn't mean the people of the world. Otherwise, you'd have to leave the, we have to get on a spaceship and go out by yourself. You don't want to abandon this world. God's put you in this world and I in this world as the salt and the light. 
Like some of you work in really crazy places. It just, you know, the language and the things they talk about. And I know some of your desires are, get me out of here, Lord. He's not going to answer that prayer. A better prayer was, how can you use me here, Lord? Because he doesn't want you to abandon the world. He's got you right where he wants you right now. Maybe one day he moves you on. Maybe you're going to work there the rest of your life. (laughs) Thanks, Ed. Appreciate that. Maybe you're going to work there until your business, until he's done with you there. And you're going to have to learn how to put up with the language and put up with all the craziness. Because if you weren't there, who would shine the light? And like now you're going to go back to work looking for the Christian. There's got to be one more Christian here because if I can find a Christian, then God can release me. No, 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 no. You know, the Lord has you right where he wants you. You're exactly where you need to be. And when he's done with you there, he'll move you on. And he'll take you into other areas of ministry. But certainly God doesn't, you know, there's that big movement to move to the mountain. We're Christians. Let's go start a Christian commune. We'll move into the mountains. We'll build a big fence. You know, we'll get a lot of guns, a lot of, you know, a lot of gold. And, and we'll just go live a wholly separate life. You're not reading the Bible. A wholly separate life is to be lived in the world. You're not to be of this world. But Jesus says we're in it. So you want to engage the culture with the truth of the word. But he's getting to the point, though, in verse 11. But now I've written to you not to keep company. Now he's going to clarify. This is what he means. When, not, when, he, when he said, don't keep company with sexually immoral people, this is what he meant. He's clarifying. He says, don't keep company with anyone named a brother who is a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside? Yet those who are on the outside, God judges. The key verse, the key phrase is verse 11, anyone named a brother. We can't always discern whether a person's a believer or not, but if you say you're a believer, we'll treat you like one. We'll take you at your word. We'll look for fruit in your life. We'll hold you to a biblical standard. We'll come alongside and encourage you. We'll bring truth into your life. We will treat you. Say you're a believer. We'll treat you like a believer. We're not going to give you a test. You know, here you're a believer. Here's a theology test. Let me know every. We're not going to test you. We're we're not going to create any hoops for you to jump through. We'll just open the Bible and say you're in sexual sin. The Bible says not to be in sexual sin. You say you're a believer. Stop it. And then your response will tell us a lot about what kind of believer you are, or whether you're just someone that says you're a believer. It just says, yeah, you know, I just do what I want. Unfortunately, there are a lot of congregations, a lot of pastors or people that are in authority that you could easily find that would greatly disagree with what the Bible says tonight. You could, like the Bible says, you could raise up teachers. I could raise up teachers for myself to tell me what I want to hear, to give me some kind of approval for my lifestyle. But even if you and I were to do that, I just want you to know you don't have God's approval. You can examine the scriptures for yourself. The church in Corinth, the reason there's a church in that city is because there are people that forsook their past. They repented of their sins. So that when sexual immorality comes up, it's in the past tense. It's not happening right now. So I'm a believer and I can do what I want. That's the truth. You have an amazing ability to exercise 
a free will that you have. It's an amazing, dangerous thing. <laughs> if it's not tempered by the Holy Spirit, we could do some, some really crazy things, really hurtful things. But tempered and controlled by the Holy Spirit, you can do some really wonderful things. You can be used so greatly. Your testimony of your past can actually be a testimony that's shared to the grace and the glory of God. It doesn't mean we need to be proud of it. Or a lot of things we have in our past, we're like, it's really shameful. And I'm like, oh man, I wish I never would have done that. But I'm like the people here in chapter 6, such were some of you. It's not something you want to live in. Removing from fellowship seems harsh, but what's the, what's the alternative? Just to have rampant sin running around? Causing chaos and confusion? Instead of having a Valentine's dinner, you, you know, we have an open bar at that, you know, and just say, come on in, Jesus' name. We can make a few extra bucks. Open bar and just come in. We'll have a Bible study. You can get drunk and, and let's just do it all in Jesus' name, man. So when you start to put some perspective on this, you start to understand. And if you ever go to a church where their marriage ministry has an open bar, just leave, man, okay? Just leave. You want to be around people that really care about you more than they fear you. You want people in your life that will tell you the truth in love and gentleness and meekness because they care about you. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message is called Tolerance of Sin is Not a Virtue. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, as you know, sexual sin is prevalent in today's world and even in the church. Maybe there's someone listening right now that's involved in that. What would you like to say to them? Well, Larry, the first thing I'd want to say to them is that sin will wreck your life no matter what type of sin it is. And sexual sin is a little more obvious to the person uh, because the Bible clearly spells out what sexual sin is, whether it's fornication, adultery, pornography. Even Jesus said, if you start thinking these thoughts in your head, you've sinned. And, and so I, I want you to know that there's hope found when you come to Jesus Christ. You are not, as a believer in Jesus, you are not bound by this sin. Uh, you have been freed and delivered. And so walk in that freedom, walk in that deliverance. But if you're listening to this broadcast and this is your life, you know, I, I think it's important that you realize that before I was born again, this was a part of my life, even so much so uh, having um, my girlfriend uh, in high school become pregnant. Uh, and I'm grateful that we kept our child, Eddie, and raised him until uh, he went home to be with the Lord at age 26, where, 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 where even God can turn around these things. He can turn around our sinful mistakes. He can turn around our sinful behaviors. He can take ashes and make beauty out of it. But friend, the only way that you're going to experience the will of God for your life is if you come to him and you repent of that sin and you leave it behind. And so if that's you today, I want you to know God is using even your own behavior to get your attention. And he's inviting you and drawing you to surrender your life to him. And I have to say, if you're a believer and you're involved in this kind of stuff, this nonsense, stop. You are bringing a disgrace upon the name of Jesus Christ. And your sin is against God and God alone. And he loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And so repent today and come back to a fullness 
of a relationship with him. Thank you for those encouraging words, Pastor Ed. Here in the month of May, we picked out an excellent book written by Ray Bentley called The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel. It's one thing to read prophecy and quite another to step into its fulfillment. It can be easy to miss the significant signs contained in the stories of biblical characters in God's creation and in the lives and actions of today's Israelis and Palestinians. That's where Ray Bentley steps in to help in the Holy Land Key. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Don't miss our next study in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.